Leeds, Leeds, Leeds! What is happening? Welcome to Working Hours, a show about a place called Leeds, a time called now, and an activity called work. Working Hours wants to record 1,000 lawyers over the course of this, the most important decade in the history of the human species, and ask them about what they do all day and hear how they feel about it. My mission is to try to map out what my city, Leeds, a city that has declared a climate emergency, is doing during humanity's biggest emergency. On Working Hours, we hear how lawyers have, are, and will be coping with our multiple crises, the global pandemic, Brexit, and of course, the ongoing and accelerating collapsing of capitalism, the state, and the climate through this decade. To do this, I need people, people like you, dear listener. Most of all, I need people who are in Leeds or who are from Leeds to come on this show and be my guests. So please join me and help me with this mission whenever and however you can. Critically, I will need people like you, dear listener, as financial backers. Please consider supporting or donating to this project. You can do so with a £1 monthly donation via either Patreon or Ko-fi, or you could donate any one-off amount to Working Hours via either Ko-fi or through the LibrePay button on the About page of Western Studios' website. Thank you. My name is Simon, and this is all my fault. What did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, interesting. No one's ever actually asked me that, and I thought about it, and I think, truth be known, when I was little, I would have just loved to have been a footballer. Mm. Uh, I'd never actually realised that until until we were just speaking about it then. And I think maybe maybe that's why I want to make sure that for my son, you know, I, I enable him to participate if he wants to, you know, in football. So, yeah, I... Um, when I was younger, I, I did end up getting trials with Bradford City. Mm. And, you know, single parent family to a degree. And so I kind of ro- rocked up to the training mm. on my own and um, never really had someone around who was like, right, come on, let's go again. Let, let's go back next year. So um, I think I, I want to do that a little bit for my, my, my kids. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Like you just pursued it for a tiny amount of time, just went to what you could attend and then it kind of fell off. Yeah, I think not having, when you're young, you don't have a lot of that. I didn't have a lot of direction when I was younger. Yeah. I was I was kind of um, just enjoying life and getting mi- mixed up with my mates and just, mm. yeah, interesting in other stuff. But I, I did enjoy football and I, I like the idea of playing football. It's a bit of a, you know, I, I want to be in Baywatch type, mm. you know, I never really took it serious, mm. but I think in there somewhere I would have loved to. Mm. Yeah. Did you play a lot sort of on the streets and stuff? Yeah. 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 And like summer holidays were spent playing loads of football. And- That's it. Yeah. All day. All yeah. Day. <laughs> yeah. That's what lives were about, you know, uh, yeah. get a ball, go with your mates and just play football. Yeah. You're listening to Series 3, Episode 26, and to my guest, Kevin Pratt. This is another Zoom interview recorded on the 5th of September, 2022. Hello, loves. Kevin Pratt has worked successfully in property development and land acquisition, succeeding with the acquisition of a project building several townhouses in South Leeds. Then he discovered Passive House and began Leeds-based eco-builder 
Pure House. Pure House has a mission to build homes with reduced energy demand, allowing them to provide homes that rely on the consumption of energy through locally generated renewable sources. Their ultimate aim is to create a truly carbon zero home, one which creates more energy than it consumes during its entire life cycle. This includes the manufacturing of materials, demolition and the recycling of its components at the end of the home's life. To find out more about Passive House, go to passive.de, as in Deutschland, forward slash en, as in English. You can find Pure House at purehouse.co.uk. Now, please enjoy this episode of Working Hours with Kevin Pratt. So what is it that you're doing now then? Yeah, so totally different. I I, I run a, a development company uh, where we build to what's called the Passive House Standard. And that that's that's a new standard of construction. I say new. The Passive House Institute was founded by a chap called Wolfgang Feist. He built the first uh, house in 1991. However, that they have been building homes like this before that. For example, they did what's called the Fram, which was a Viking ship built using super insulation, thick walls, um, you know, minimizing the loss, which is some of the fundamentals of a passive house. So let me just explain for everybody uh, basically what a passive house is. It, it, it's design-led. So what that means is you, the shape of the building and the position of the building is very important. The design aspect of the building, the, the, they use a term called form factor, which is to do with the shape of the building. Mm-hmm. All these Design-led principles are really important. So the south-facing windows mm. are bigger so that they can take in the solar gains. The north-facing windows are smaller so that you're not losing heat, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, so you don't have heat losses. Further to that, you have uh, air tightness, which is is very important. So a typical building, um, building rakes home, in today's you know sort of building standards is is about 10 air changes per hour and mm-hmm. um, building stock within the uk i'm i'm gonna guess is around 15 air changes per hour because the standard is slightly increased passive house standard or the standard that we aspire to to build to is uh no more than one air change per hour. In fact, it's 0.6, which is what we got on our last development. And my aim on, on so as well as doing new build, we also uh, are looking to get involved in managing retrofit. Mm-hmm. So the retrofit I'm going to be doing on my own personal house, I'm going to aim to have that one air change per hour, which is what they call benefit standards. So at the moment, my house is 20 air changes per hour. Mm. So what that basically means is that I'm paying to heat the street. All of the heat that goes into my house goes straight out again. Mm-hmm. This concurs with my, uh, I'm going to say layman's thinking, which is when I moved into this house, uh, I remember saying to my wife on the first night, I wish I'd ever moved here. Mm. You know, it was a, it's a better house and it's in a better area, mm. but I was, I was freezing. <laughs> I, I was, I was surprised, but I've had all that confirmed now. Now we've done what we call an air tightness test, a, a blower door test. So I've, I've discussed that it needs to be design led. I've discussed air tightness. Then 
uh, it needs to be super insulated. Mm-hmm. So a typical building might have a, a void of, say, 100 mil filled with insulation. Mm-hmm. But what we have is about 300 mil, and mm-hmm. it's super insulated. So we what we're using at our workshops, we have a zero-carbon workshop, which is where we create a panelized system. So with the the walls of of the buildings that we produce, we have a 300 mil cavity, which is super insulated with recycled blown glass. And so if you can imagine, I'm sure you, you can picture some foam, uh, not foam, some um, insulation from your, from your attic. Mm-hmm. You can picture what that looks like. Mm-hmm. That's in sheets. So what we do is we blow the recycled blown glass in. So it's like little uh, little dots, shall we say, of recycled insulation. And therefore, it fills all the nooks and crannies, so there's no gaps. So with a sheet of insulation, you can have big gaps all the way around it. Mm. You might have, say, for example, a 100 mil cavity, but you might only have 80 mil of a sheet of insulation. So you've got what they call, they call it a convection loop, which is where you've got an air gap. And basically, you, you, you're not maintaining the thermal mass in the property it's it's uh it's been looped down so to speak that's my uh, simplistic way of describing it should we say so you've got the insulation you've got the air tightness you've got the design lead and then you've got the the triple pane windows and uh, triple pane doors so basically what happens is you, with a tip, typical window it's double or maybe even single glaze so what happens there is you have more heat loss if it's single dip glaze, less heat loss if it's double, and if it's triple, even less heat loss. But another factor is also the seals. So when I assessed my house, you can actually use a heat camera, a thermal camera, mm-hmm. and can see the frames, and you can see the amount of heat that is lost out of the frames. Mm-hmm. So what, what we do with uh, a triple pane window uh, n- not all triple pane windows are built like this but you have what's called an al- aluclad timber frame so it's it has internally it's got the timber frame element to it and then it's cladded with aluminium hmm. and uh, the, the seals are very very good and the install has to be very very well executed hmm. so you could have an installation of a triple pane window and you'd have a lot of heat loss around the side where, where the installers have installed incorrectly. Mm-hmm. So the, the installation, the, the, the fine details of, you know, doors and windows is really, really important. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can lose a lot of heat there. So I've gone through those. Th- and then the, finally, it's the MVHR. So that is what they call a mechanical ventilation heat recovery unit. So basically what, what happens is you take the the air from inside the house and you recirculate it mm-hmm. take it out of the building and then bring in fresh clean air and it's filtered and heated as it comes in and that's a very efficient way of number one keeping the heat in the building but number two removing air pollution so i i was i was gobsmacked when i first seen a filter we installed an MDHR in our last development mm. with all the filter. We pulled it out and it was like black, mm. you know, it just, that that's basically what you're breathing in all day, every day. So 
air pollution is a bigger thing now. We're all becoming more educated on it. Mm. And, uh, you know, it, it, it really, really does matter. Uh, well, it's like you see the Yorkshire stone, don't you, everywhere and it's black, but then you sort of, you don't always think that underneath that's just sandstone and it shouldn't be black, but that's just from the air pollution over time. Yeah, it's unbelievable, really, because you would never think. It, I mean, I'm talking about a house that's vacant. Mm. There's nobody in the house, mm. so and the doors are locked. Mm. So where's all that coming from? You know, yeah, just outside. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And, uh, and when you start to put that into your brain, think, wow, I'm actually breathing that in. That's going to be doing me any good. So they're, they're, they're the principles that our company is is founded around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and those are the principles that we're passionate passionate about. And having been through the process of being a typical developer, so mm-hmm. I started out doing development in traditional methods, mm-hmm. and then moving over to building to a passive house standard. There's, there, there's no going back for me because I've just seen that it, it you know it takes precision, it takes due diligence, it takes you know, time and attention, detail, hmm. but it, it's a bit of a no-brainer for me. You know, I I'm, I really am passionate about it. I really want to drive this cause as much as I possibly can. You know, while I'm while I'm in my youth and, uh, shall we say, performing well as a, as a business owner, then I'll be able to do that, and that's something I'm very committed to. What what we what we've seen is that. It's very much a talking point now, but there's a lack of knowledge. So, so, you know, we want to educate people and then we want to supply what we're educating them about. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really important we take the time to, to go into colleges, business events, and go and educate them about what it is that we do. And, and then longer term, what we want to do is train people in positions of influence who can fully understand what it is that we do it and drive it, you know, so business owners can drive it. And we are really seeing that. We're actually, there's, there's a bottom-up pressure. So people like Pure House really taking action. They're, they're, they're taking that pressure upwards. And you've got the government pressure coming top down. And, they are starting to meet in the middle. You know, pe- people are starting to understand now that, you know, we have to build differently. So just uh, some facts for your audience. So 40% of carbon emissions come from the built environment. That's massive. You know, when, when you look at if as a, as a country at the moment, if our air changes about 15 on average, We've got some serious work to do to get to one air change per hour across the entire stock. So okay. that's, that means going back over existing work that's already done mm. and doing it correctly. Mm. And what we can't afford to do, and one of the things I'm real passionate about is, is this education piece because what we can't afford to do is go do what I would call a shallow retrofit. Mm. So a shallow retrofit is maybe you've spoken to me you've got a rough idea of what retrofit is about. So you go away and you do it yourself mm. and miss out important details. So you've got good intentions, 
but just behind just lacking a little bit of education, then what happens is we have to go back in and do that work again in five or 10 years time. Because I do believe that once we start to have this performance metric, the passive house is a standard that's well recognized and would champion that. Once we've got that performance metric in place, then every building will be tested. So every building has to meet the standard. And that's really what we're keen about. I mean, just just some knowledge for, for your viewers as well. So I, I, I can't believe this, that this is allowed to happen. But if you build, a, um, say, 20 houses, mm. you only have to test one or two of them. So if that means if you're a buyer of one of my houses and I built 20 houses, uh, I'm if I sell you the one that we've not tested, Mm. And the air tank, this might be even worse than industry standard, which at the moment is 10 air changes per hour. Mm. We might have missed, we might have uh, missed um, insulation out because it, for whatever reason, it was inconvenient mm. and we decided to cut a corner. And, and there are real examples of this. You know, I, I, I've got a picture of a house that had insulation installed on their house. But what happened is the installers thought, I can't be bothered working where these trees are. Mm. So the, there was a thermal image of insulation everywhere, but where the tree was mm. massive block. So that, that's not, that's not just, uh, reckless. I mean, it's nowhere near close to the standard that we want to aspire to. Mm. Um, and this is why it's so, so important that we have the performance metric. I do see it as a barrier to market for the industry. Because what happens is, let's say, for example, you're going to retrofit your home and mm. it costs tens of thousands of pounds. Mm. And what, what we're encouraging is that after you've done your work, you then have someone come and assess it. Mm -hmm. So the only way that I personally see <laughs> this being rolled out at scale is by having government funding for number one training, but also for assessment. Mm. So... In Ireland, they have, the names just slipped me, but they have a training centre. They have six training centres in, in Ireland, mm. uh, and all of the training is free. And so basically what you can do is you can go and learn for free how to retrofit and how to build sustainably. Mm. And it's all sharing knowledge, all government funded. And, and, and then what happens is you're going out there and educating your customers. Mm you know, educate your customers and your customers take that on board and they decide, yeah, I, I take on board what he's saying. I want to do a thorough job. So that I think that's going to be a really strong driver. And the proof is in the pudding. So the average air change in Ireland is 2.8. So they are beating us by a long stretch. And as I understand, Scotland have got a similar setup. So they've got a, a unit called the Built Environment Smart Transformation. So basically... At that facility, you can go, you can get trained for free how to build environmentally conscious, how to retrofit, and that will then be getting rolled out. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure that Scotland are ahead of England by a long way. I'll give you a reason why I say that. They've actually, they've had 97% vote for Scotland to have passive house as the standard in the country. Mm. That's 97%. So we're going to find that out before the end of the year, hopefully. If my, my, I've got my fingers crossed that Scotland do get passive house pass as a, as a law to mm. 
installed across the entire housing stock. Mm. So, yeah, we uh, we we need to keep up pace with the rest of the people around us. You know, many countries, Germany, where the Passive House Institute is is founded, they are you know rolling out retrofit at quite a big scale. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's happening. It's happening. It, it really is happening now. People are starting to take this seriously, and. You know, we're, we're thankful that we're, we've got a really good team of people around us who are really committed to the education side. So, you know, for example, we've got Jesus, uh, who uh, has set up a company called Zero Energy in Spain, which is basically an education company which educates designers, architects, builders, how to build to the passive house standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, you know some of the experience within the team. And then we've we've got John who really championed having a, a passive house or passive house standard course to be rolled up out across England mm-hmm. back in 2016. Due to we'll say reasons, political reasons, that that education company was not rolled out. Mm. So we've got John who's who's more or less set up a development scenario an education scenario in england mm-hmm. here's who's, who's, who's doing it in spain mm-hmm. and then we've also got claire who i would say probably about eight years ago was was knocking on college doors uh looking to educate them so what we've got within our team is a team of people who are really really dedicated towards educating the built environment and mm. You know, this is, I'm going to say, a, a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to really affect something that's massively important mm. for our children and our children's children. Same for us, because it's happening now, you know. Exactly, exactly. And and the reality of that, you know, I I don't, I'm not one for sitting in the sun. Yeah, I'd, I'd much prefer to. Neither be- am I, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, when you've got bald head, yeah, well, red hair. <laughs> red hair and a bald head. It's not a good mix, is it? So, you know, I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of sunbathing. So with the heat wave, I know my wife was like, this is brilliant. You know, I, I love the sun. Mm. But I, I'm thinking, wow, you know, I, this is hard. It's hard to work in because it's hot. And also a, a reminder every single day that this is now happening faster. Mm. We thought it was going to happen. Mm. So, so climate change is real. It is happening. Mm. And if we don't get a move on, you know, we're already too late. So, you know, yesterday is too late, in my opinion. You know, we okay, have- well, well, we'll get into all of that. So I want to ask you first of all, so, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but because it's an industry term, you know, there might be technicalities to it. So I want you to kind of like take us through the air change so, I mean, is that replacing the entire sort of store of air in the house and that's cycled out and how many times that cycles out a day? Like, and how does that work? Is it just a process of the ventilation in the, in the house or in the building allows the heat to rise and to leave? Like, just take us through a basic sort of layman's explanation. Yeah, kind of explain it a bit better for you. So, well, first of all, where does where does air leakage happen in a house? Mm. Uh, you know, so it will happen, like I said before, around windows and doors, junctions, so ceiling and floor junctions, wall junctions. You'll be you'll be surprised when you start looking and thinking about it where where all that 
air loss is happening. So for me, I've got a suspended timber floor. Mm -hmm. So the amount of air loss that I will get through that suspended timber floor is, is unreal. Mm. Uh, you know, so I've, I've got um, the utility base and where they've brought all the service pipes up, the service penetrations, mm -hmm. I'll lose a lot of air there. Mm -hmm. Loads of air going out there. So we, we've got strategies that we basically snug things right up to the service pipes. Mm -hmm. And then you can seal around the service pipe after you've put something in there as a, something to, to catch, to, should we say. Mm. Uh, you, you can then apply li liquid membranes to it to, to make it solid uh, so there's no air loss. So that's that, that's the, the concept of air tightness. And then with, with the air, so, so basically what you have is you have intake and you have exhaust so you have, with the MVHI, you have ducting in the ceiling mm -hmm. or in the in between the first and second floor or the loft. Mm -hmm. A lot of my ducting will go in the loft. So you have the intake, so that'll be air coming in mm -hmm. that's already pre-warmed and filtered. And then you'll have air that's going to get sucked out through the exhaust. So that'll get taken out. So your exhaust vents, they're in your bathrooms and your kitchen. Mm. And so your intakes and maybe your, your bedrooms and uh, your lounge areas, for example. Mm. And, it, and it all happens within that NVHR. And where, where, where the joint is going out of the building, that's where the filtration process happens. And I, I'm not an NVHR designer, so I'm going to and to be able to explain it all in detail. Mm. But that's the basic premise of the MBHR and, and how it works. Mm. Okay. And then, you know, considering we're sat here on a nice warm September day on our record-breaking year for heat globally and locally, what about the heat transfers sort of, I mean, you've talked a lot about keeping heat in. What about letting heat out? What is it like for a, a boiling hot day? Does it... I mean, are you just going to sweat? Is it going to be a sweat box or is it cool as well? Yeah, that's, it's, it's a really good point. So what, what you have is you have what they call breeze layers, which are on the windows, which basically block out uh, sunlight. When, when the sun's high, it blocks some of the sunlight out. Mm -hmm. So when it's a warm day and the sun's up high, you're not getting the full rays of the sun in blocks it out, mm -hmm. but obviously when it's a bit lower, it's not quite as strong. Mm -hmm. But also you've got strategies to to make sure that you don't overheat. They, they use a term called pur purging. So you can put one of the windows in, say, the top bedroom on a catch, so it's just open slightly, mm -hmm. and you would have a, another window open, say, on, on the other floor, mm -hmm again so that has what we call a cross ventilation effect mm -hmm. so you're actually you know pulling air in and around the building but ultimately if you think about the building as a flask mm. so that even when it's hot outside it says cool inside mm. so if you keep it warm in mm. the winter then it stays warm mm. if it if it's cool in the summer it stays cool mm. so so think about it in that way you've got that that flask but overheating is is something that can happen mm. uh, but you have strategies like using a, a, a purge system mm. 
with the windows or sometimes people get a bit over overawed by the should we say the signs of it you can just open your windows and doors mm. if you want to it i personally would do that i i, I would be a bit more strategic about it so is in other countries where it's really hot it'll be different obviously in um in the uk they they have they already have the doors and windows blocked up mm. for strong summer heat mm. you know, like in spain and things like that so yeah with like shuttered windows and so on yeah and that's it so you can you can do a similar sort of thing or, mm. or just use blinds mm. you know so if it is really hot you can just put blinds down and just avoid it from getting really hot mm. but once you once you get to know your house you'll kind of monitor it yeah uh, you get you get to know what to expect yeah i mean you mentioned retrofitting and like i know with the heat waves like people have been talking since about the poor ventilation in a lot of uk housing stock because they're not you know no house has been really built in this country for you know 35 plus temperatures because we build for the cold and the rain generally and that with the retrofitting there's a lot of they've talked about with a lot of public spaces like hospitals and and you know large public buildings the keys the, the What's the word I'm looking for? But how necessary it is to have really good ventilation for those to keep the the air moving and to keep those buildings cool so that, you know, you're not using all your electricity and then it's breaking because you're trying so hard to cool the building. So, yeah, I mean, is that somewhere that, you know, retrofit into passive house standards could help as well? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you'll... Once again, it's, it, it is going to be simple things, though, as well, that you do to complement the design, mm. uh, like the Brieselils, mm. uh, you know, like using a blind, mm. you know, like the purging, mm. these sorts of things. I suppose you you have to just have a little bit of understanding about how to do these things, be a little bit strategic about it, because I, I, I know what it can be like sometimes where you think, oh, you know, I don't want to have to think about all these things. I just, you know. It's just a house. Just leave it. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you sort of understand it and, and take a little bit of time to understand it, mm. it's not that difficult to do. Just think on and just a bit of forward planning. And yeah. I think I think uh, with the heat wave and being affected so much, I think that'll drive people to think about it. Mm. Well, I mean, the you know, the the sort of expectation that people can't learn something that's necessary i mean people learn to drive that's that's a skill that takes time you know it literally takes hours to learn so yeah and you said about education and awareness raising before i mean i think along with that there is we do need to educate people like for example i think i've used this on the recording before but they they did in london they got all these new buses when i was down there a few years ago and they were all air conditioned and then everyone was opening the windows on the buses and it's like, well, it's not going to cool the whole of London, is it? So <laughs> it's like it would work if you could, if you closed the windows and didn't let all the cooling out. Um, but then that's also extra carbon that's being used to run those AC units from the bus. So it's like something that's there to cool the passengers is just being used to create more carbon. So yeah, there is a matter of educating the public at large as well of just how to survive those high temperatures of like what what to do you know we all have these sort of things that we develop ourselves of this is what i do best to keep cool but 
there is knowledge of what the best thing is to do and that needs to be sort of more widespread definitely and i think we're driven by necessity aren't we mm. so when when you have to drive because mm. you a job when you have to keep your house cool because mm. it's getting hot mm. you learn how to do it yeah um, and to do it cheaply with you know with prices sort of surging and going all over the place people need that consistency and need to know that i can invest in this this is going to save me money over the long term right yeah and and you're touching there on fuel poverty uh you know and, and rising energy prices this is one of the reasons why I think as a team, we're so passionate as well because we don't see a real need to be having to, you know, you, you do spend a little bit of money on a basic heating system, but if you're strategic and you, you manage your house well, mm. you know, you, 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 you build much, much less, very small with a passive house design. I, yeah, it just, it just beats me that we aren't doing this uh, nas- nationally. Everybody isn't being... I'm going to say, I'm going to use the word forced into mm. a building like this. I think, I think the fact that we're now driven to be self-sustaining because of these rising energy prices and the mm. uh, Russia, uh, Russian Ukraine war, mm. I, I think, I think that that might help really drive some change. Mm. The necessity by demand, mm. you know, we, we have to. So you know, I've got my fingers and toes crossed and. You know, if I, if if I get a phone call from you know member of parliament for me to come and talk to a passive house, they'll happily do so. You know, I've had a mm. request to to speak and sort of be involved in the Green Skills Task Force, for example, with Tracy Brabin, just just sharing what it is, how important it is that we do get the education out there mm. if we're gonna. Uh, meet these 1,000 green skill jobs that she's looking to promote. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go into my questions now. So I want to take you back. You you kind of touched on it, but I want to sort of get, well, I want to ask about how you got into it. For myself with Passive House, I think I've been aware of Passive House since about 2010 or something. Like, you know, for a good while and... I've, you know, not seen it happening. And I was very surprised to find it sort of like going on in Leeds. I know that people have sort of trained and studied it before, but yeah. So how did you get into it? And then we might go a little bit into how your actual retrofit is going at the moment as well. But how did you get into it? Yeah. So truth be known, you know, I I didn't actually even know what Passive House was. And my business partner went out to Germany. He went to a Passive House conference. I'm, I'm trying to think on time frames. Yeah, I was just going to say when about yeah. this. That, that was probably about seven, eight years ago, maybe. Mm. Yeah, pro- probably more like seven. Mm. And and Dave would be able to clarify that. And when Dave, he, he took the initiative, he went out and did it, did consult with me, uh, mm-hmm. Dave didn't consult with me, went out and uh, uh, and came back and sold it to me. Yeah. I, I jumped on board straight away, you know, and I, I, it's been a steep learning curve. And yeah, I mean, I've got the bug. I've got the bug. I've got the passive house bug. Uh, I, I really do believe in what we're doing. And I've, I've seen a real interest in, in the people that are involved in this community. I think I did a talk in York and... Um, I shared a graph, and so Passive House now is slowly but surely, it's like a hairpin 
Like mm. the, the, the adoption of it, it's really steep. Mm. You know, like just a few at one point and then now it's really taking off. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I really do see that this will take off. I do believe in that. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been exciting. And since I've got, I've got the bug. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of a nonstop commitment. I, I think my wife would probably be quite happy for, you know, <laughs> but she supports me, you know, she supports me. So did you, did you, Pivot an already existing business or was it, you know, you had to start up a new business? Did you have to go and be like, I've got to do loads of qualifications now? Like, what was your journey into it? Was it just like, oh, I now know this is what we should be focused on. And then you you learn a bunch of tips of how to improve various things. Like, how, how quickly did you get up to speed? Yeah, yeah. So we started out doing traditional development, Mm -hmm. so traditional construction. Uh, and so then once we understood Passive House, we started to look into it and research and look at different options and ways of achieving Passive House. And um, so we eventually we ended up working with a company called Beats Passive. They have a patented system. Uh, so we worked with them for our first project. And then now what we're doing is we're developing our own system mm. using, using, should we say, our system. It, I'm not, I'm not trying to pass it off as our system, but we're not using a, a patented trade yeah. system. Yeah. Otherwise, we're, we're having to spend quite a lot of money mm. on the patent. So what we did is we did really a bit like what we've always done, which is sort of role model success. So we worked with somebody who's already, already got the experience, mm. let them do it, let yeah. them guide us, and we went on a steep learning curve through that. Yeah. What should we say, a case study, and and then we we went on to take those lessons and you know develop our. So we with that system, we we won the best small scale development award in Yorkshire, which mm-hmm. was a you know a bit of a um a, a privilege to do. It nice to be recognised. Mm. What year was that? So that was that would have been last year. We won mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And it was, so we had some, we've, like I said, we have had quite a lot of support for what we're doing, even if it's just emotional support. Mm. We haven't financially, it's, it's all been out of our own pocket and we've raised some per, some private investment as well. But Sharon Dale, she, she's based at the York Post. I remember she got in touch with me and she said, you know, why don't you apply for this? Best small scale development in, in Yorkshire Ward. Mm. And if it hadn't have been for Sharon, I might not have done that. So, yeah, yeah. And then we got recognized. So yeah. it was nice because I, I remember my, my, my speech was they asked me up to get my award and I said, Can I say something? Mm. The guy, he was quite funny, funny chap. He said, Kev wants to talk. Kev wants to talk. <laughs> so I, I, my talk was somewhere along the lines of Pure House and Declared War on Climate Change, mm. you know, and that, that was to a room of probably 500 property professionals mm. just to be able to say that mm. in front of that audience mm. it's, it's the start of something you know it's that something people are starting to listen and yeah no that 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 that, that was definitely a, a a proud moment for us as a company and yeah yeah that that was good and then another another milestone for us is setting up what we call the zero carbon workshop mm. once again that has created quite a lot of interest, you know. From there's a huge appetite out there, isn't there? There is, there is. Yeah. 
but no one's doing it. Yes. <laughs> That's it. Not nobody. Sorry, I'll tell you. People are doing it, but you're not seeing it as much as because they're still trying to sell oil to us. They're still like, oh, no, we're going to spend more money on this oil. It's like it's done. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think people are starting to have interest in passive house. It is happening, but we are early adopters. And yeah, I, th- I-, I can see there's more and more logic moving towards it. And the zero carbon workshop we set up. That, that did get interest. And then they, we call ourselves the, the Pure House School of Excellence. Mm-hmm. Going into, we've done, we've been at Leeds College of Building. So I've really, I, I've been working with Leeds College of Building since back in 2019. Mm-hmm. So, so we got asked to speak at the future of housing. Mm-hmm. So that will have been around 2019 when we just started on site for our mm-hmm. first development. Um, for, passive house development mm. and i was sat on stage next to derek whitehead who was who's the former uh, principal of leeds college building is it not pearls urban splash who have just oh, gone yeah. oh they, they just shut down one of their factories i don't think they might not have gone out of business but i heard the name before I've yeah i heard of them yeah. and i think i was sat with or it, it might have been barrett's or one of the major builders mm. or, I was sat on the stage with them talking about passive house, mm. you know. So it 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 has it has attracted attention. Mm. Uh, what we're doing, people do want to talk about it. Mm. Not not tons of people are really investing in it. Mm-hmm. Some people are just thinking, well, I'll I'll just sit back and keep doing what I'm doing until government regulation comes in because they're making good profit out of what they're doing that's what i was going to say i mean in terms of like you you sort of cost comparisons and you your profit margins like i mean you you can't cut corners so like uh, is that gonna you know is it making it more six more expensive is it making it more of a luxury item like is it something that you can kind of sustain with supply problems like do you have to get all your supplies from further afield or are they more locally like is that part of it like what are what are those sort of issues like for you yeah we've been okay i mean we're sourcing our windows um from from norway it's nordance that we're working with so that's a long way away Mm. Uh, it's not ideal you know in an ideal world we'd have our own supply chain in in yorkshire Mm. Uh, or in Leeds, even better. Because mm. it does all it does all count in your mm. cradle to grave calculation. So I'll explain what the cradle to grave calculation is. So basically, the cradle to grave calculation is the the amount of CO two emissions that you emit per meter squared for the life cycle of the product. So if if you do get your windows made in Leeds and mm. delivered to a site in Leeds, mm. it'll be much smaller than if you get Norway. Mm. delivered to Leeds. So the typical build is 1,800 CO2 emissions per meter squared. Mm. And so our development in Oakenshaw, that was 250 kilograms of CO2 meters per meter squared. Mm. So that's, yeah, that's the future. This is what we need to do. And there are products developing all the time. There are products developing all the time. Tim, Timber is tried and true, but we need to move away from bricks and concrete as much as we can. Metal fabrication, you know, things like that. They have a very high 
uh, cradle to grave calculation mm. along with concrete. Concrete's really bad. But I, I didn't realize how much. Yeah. Concrete's really bad. Yeah. I've got, I, I, I did an interview with the guy who's got a PhD on concrete. It's not out yet, but it's coming. And yeah, fascinating stuff. But like they're, they're, the industry is doing a lot on that to try and reduce it down. But I think it's one of those things. It's just like, if you're breaking concrete and cement, you've just got to make loads of carbon. Like it can't really be done otherwise. So yeah, so cost-wise, sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. So on the uh, concrete and and, and the, the PhD on concrete, mm. you know, we are looking to set up what are called knowledge transfer partnerships mm-hmm. where people come in with us. Mm. And so we're, we're exploring, I won't go into detail, but we're exploring internal wall panel, which basically comes from barriers. I'll just, I'll just leave it there. So mm. an internal retrofit system that overcomes some barriers, that's what we're potentially going to be doing as a knowledge transfer partnership. So it's really important we get the academic input as well. You know, mm-hmm. and we have, you know, people in the industry also working with people in academia. I think it's really important. Yeah. So also it's not a fixed standard then. It's like, as we learn more, we can raise that standard and it can go higher. hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. So th- th- there's a, a bit of a scale and they come biomaterials. Mm-hmm. So there's certain things like hemp that they, they basically are a positive. So they take. Sorry, the take carbon emission carbon sponges, yeah. Take the carbon sponges. So, you know, it, it's not commercial. I don't want to industry me down. I don't think it's as commercially viable because the barrier that you've got is your lenders. Your lenders might not lend on a, a house that's built out of hemp. Mm. Some lenders will, mm. some lenders will, but you, you're narrowing your market down. Mm. So, if, say, for example, yourself, Simon, you decided that you're going to build a house out of a hemp block, I'm sure you could go away and you can find out enough information. You could, If you were really committed to it, you'd make it work. Yeah, isn't the lilac building built from hempcrete? Or that's right. Something? Yeah. That's right. I think that is right, yeah. So, you know, you would be able to go out and, and do it yourself, but you might have an issue if you were going to sell your house. You know, Ecological Building Society... Them guys have been great for us. Mm. Uh, so I do think Ecological Building Society would look at something like that, mm. providing they got the approvals they needed. Mm. But there is a little bit of a risk still because it's it's uncharted territory. But once again, people who are doing hemp block would, would, would challenge me and they would say, no, it's not, you, you can do it. So that's good. You know, and this is part of why we want to engage in a conversation with people yeah. and talking about things. Yeah. Because if we had, we, we, we like this idea of what, what we call a knowledge centre. Mm-hmm. So the people come and share information, you know, so if, if you have somebody who's got experience in hemp block, then mm-hmm. they call and they share mm-hmm. it with us. Mm-hmm. We have a team of people who want to learn mm-hmm. and we just sit and listen. You know, because that's what it's all about is, you know, sharing the information. If you're getting good practice, this is why the industry is not improving quite like it could. Mm. It's because industry best practice is kind of kept, kept indoors. Mm. People don't want to share it. They want mm. to keep it all indoors. Mm. So obviously, we need to have a business model to, to make it 
so that people do want to open the doors. Mm. But I think the more we start sharing and collaborating and talking, the better for the industry because we can progress faster that way. Mm. And I think like, you know, you sales as well, like, um, I think the retrofitting is like really important because obviously as you say, you know, like it's no good just building all of that because the carbon release of like, oh, we'll knock everything down and just rebuild it all in one go. It'd just be, you know, lethal. So yeah. So being able to retrofit, but then if you've got a brand like Passive House, that could be something of, you know, if I was thinking, where do I buy a green house? I don't know if there's a particular estate agent that's specialised in it, or if it's just I look around all the estate agents or how many of them there are. And I would think a lot of the time people, if they want to do that, if they're in a position to buy and they want it to be a greenhouse, not a greenhouse, but a greenhouse, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're going to look to sort of build, if they can, more looking for land and looking to build for themselves rather than, I suppose a few people will look to retrofit and try and get whatever, but maybe not all of them have heard of Passive House. So, uh, yeah, I'll let you respond to all of that verbiage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think a, a, a green state agency, it, it would be a good, it would be a good thing. And then, then, then you would also, one of the issues that we've got is greenwashing. And that's why we're behind institutes like the Passive House Institute. Mm -hmm. Is because it avoids it, it stops it. Mm. Uh, cradle to grave calculation, it stops greenwashing. It, it's a factual thing. There might be an ironing, pro ironing out process that needs to take place in collecting data and making sure the data is accurate. Mm. But once again, this is the collaboration side of things. Mm. So if I can share information, then you might want to cross-examine it and you might come back to me and say, actually, Kev, you said this, but... No, I've looked at this and it, you know, it's not quite what you think it is. So it's really important because this it is a complex topic mm. and the more minds that are working on this is the better. Having said that, it needs to be regulated. It needs to be carefully mm. conducted. Mm. And I think this is where maybe the commercial interest of people may, may stop them from doing that, you know? Uh, so to find a way to to get a commercial, uh, uh, make it make it commercialised, so that we can all start engaging and sharing. And mm. you know, at the moment, it's very early doors in it for uh, passive house. And I I, I shared a fact: it was eight, only eight houses were passive house certified last year. Mm. Now, did you know that we are building about seven hundred and fifty homes a day? Mm. Uh, so if you, if you want to, it's a big leap from eight, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's massive. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's massive. So you're going to have, there are different standards. And I had a conversation with Association for Environmentally Conscious Buildings, Duncan is called. So he was talking about the different standards. So you have, you have Passive House, you have Lecte, you have AECB, and then there's the Social Housing Decarbonisation Fund. Mm. So if if we say that Passive House is is, is the best standard, mm. and then it slightly goes up, and the sand, the, the quality just slightly decreases, mm. but it's still good that we're having people engaged and talking. So you, you don't want to alienate people, but you. Our best practice would be passive house. You know, we we would champion that. Yeah, yeah. However, you, you, you need more people to start taking action. 
Yeah. If we alienate everybody and say, oh, well, you're not meeting passive house, so I'm sorry if you know, you're not welcome to the table, people are going to say, well, no, it doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're just going to get everyone's back up. Yeah, yeah. And then the thing is with, like, a lot of it does need, you know, it needs investment, it needs subsidies, it needs market, like, buyer, which despite, you know, some people saying that, Things don't need to be interfered with. The reality is that it'd be interfered with every day. I mean, the amount that we subsidize, like the fossil fuel industry already every day. And even with renewables, there's subsidies going into that. And like, you know, the government makes markets. And if you're wanting to, like, we need yeah, the regulation. No more than me on that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it does. I mean... I, I mean, I'm interested to hear more about that, but yeah, I can, I can imagine that is the case. Mm. So it's, it's like, yeah, you need, you, if, if they're going to regulate, then you want the highest standard possible. You don't want to sort of meet it in the middle. And then ideally you want to be surpassing that standard and going higher because, you know, that's what we need to do. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, massively. I, I agree. I'm very pro of that. Yeah. So I want to, I'm, <laughs> I'd kind of go a bit further back into how you sort of got into the development itself, like the development side and sort of setting up your business. But I've got quite a lot of stuff on people setting up their businesses. So I want to crack on with questions and maybe other stuff will come up as we go through. Yeah, it's time. Yeah. So I'm going to go into the COVID question now. So I want to take you back to sort of, well, if you just think of when you first became aware of COVID, think of like going into lockdown and just take us through that sort of journey. Like, were you working more? Were you working less? Did you think, oh God, this is the end of the business. We won't be able to do anything now. Like, were you furloughing people? Were you furloughed yourself? Could you do that? Or were you straight into, right, we're key workers. We need to be working on stuff. So how how did it go and how has COVID changed your well, work? Yeah, a few a few really important things happened for us in COVID. So number one, well, it was my son's birthday, so he was two um, mm. when COVID lockdown happened. Mm. So like everybody in, in in England, we was all in despair, and you know we had two kids at home, so you know a two a two year old and a five year old mm. so, yeah it was it was tough it was tough however we did come through it and i'm say as a company we we definitely grew so i always remember we were setting up a marketing campaign and the chap who was setting up the marketing campaign he said to me so we'll just put it on pause then you know see it's just happened covid and i said no no chance. We we send it live. Mm. And so he said live. And that is from that marketing campaign, mm. we have now got our next development joint venture, which basically is a 20 homes that we're building. So mm. we, we, we pressed on. We had another really significant thing happen to us, which was our lenders just pulled out. Mm. They just said, no, we're not lending, boom, see mm. you later. Mm. So we, we had guys on site, we'd, you know, we'd done this future of housing talk, you know, mm. we'd, we'd not actually started building yet, but we'd just planned and we'd put the design in and such like. So we had to overcome all that. There were a couple of issues with our workforce, but 
we kept going. We kept going. We managed to get through it. Yeah, we managed to get get a, a legal contract in place for for the joint venture that we're doing now, which is our next development of twenty homes. Mm. We managed to build the houses. We we actually we actually attracted a better lender, so Ecological Building Society. Yeah, yeah, my lender, better lender. So it's more in line with what you're doing. Totally, totally yeah. more in line, and they've been very supportive and. To be fair, if it wasn't for the help of Ecological Building Society, you know, they're definitely a linchpin for us mm. in terms of getting us to where we are. Mm. They really helped us. Uh, they helped us set up the Zero Carbon Workshop as well. Mm-hmm. We had obviously private investment where people helping us. So, you know, socially, I think people are behind what we're doing. Mm. And I think we have had benefits mm. from from that that we you know we're grateful for. And uh, yeah, it's been so we we turned we turned a difficult situation and and made it work for us. But you know, COVID, COVID did have a massive effect on everybody, didn't it? In terms of like the social side of it, and you know, for me personally, you know, so, some some things that I used to do in my day to day life. Mm. I don't do that anymore. You know, I've changed my life massively, uh, and I'm I'm happy for it. You know, I'm I, I'm I'm glad that I'm doing what I'm doing. But I think everybody maybe changed their routine just a little bit. I'm sure you can relate to that as well, Simon. Yeah. Well, I, I, what I'm suffering from at the moment is I'm doing far more than I want to be doing, and it's on stuff that I don't want to be spending that time on. I've gone from being really time rich to being like not having any time, but not doing it, you know, not spending the time on the things that I want to do. So it's been, it's, it's, it's an odd situation in that regard, but, and for me as well, like part of my thing now is to work less because from, you know, from my own carbon production point of view and just, I think there's so much focus on production and this sort of like go out and work and work more and work more. It's like, no work less because a lot of that time is, can be wasted time. I mean, it depends what you're doing, of course, but yeah, I was going to ask, so your sort of work-life balance, are you, are you you a bit of a workaholic? Can you separate work and life quite easily? Did lockdown sort of make you slow down, but obviously you're in a company where you want to grow and you want to get more and more done and you want to evangelize. So like, how, how do you sort it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, I think it's great that people do what they feel comfortable with. And so I, I'm not, I'm not pro anything really, but I'm just pro myself. And so like the way that I look at it, I, I think, you know, if you can make good impacts and you can do a good job, mm. get there and do it. And, mm. you know, I, I am really committed to that. It's not, it's not just go and earn money for earning money or, mm. You know, it's, it, there's a bigger cause for me. And I, I think that's, yeah, I think I've, if anything, I've, I've doubled down on it. I've doubled down on mm. my commitment and my focus on what I'm doing. I do want to be strategic about it, but that's different. I'm strategic about how I'm growing, but I am growing and I am putting a lot of effort and time into, into our business. And yeah, that's it. It's, it's important. It's important. Yeah. Me and it's important for our community and it's important, you know, for for the country as a whole. The mm. more people that we've got doing this, the better. You know, it's a it's a good thing. However, what I would say is, you know, if 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 your your situation is 
that you don't feel like that's the right thing for you, then I think that people should do what they feel passionate about. Mm. You know, so yeah, I'm very much one of these people who is do what do what you want to do. You know, passionate about. Obviously, you you have to take into account the rest of society and make sure that you're, you know, you're not just throwing litter on the ground and, you know, doing things <laughs> illegal, you know, but do what you want to do, you know, and and live the life that you want to live. That's mm. important. Mm. I mean, there's, there, you know, I, I do think there are people in society that are sort of doers, and I think other people would do if they were given the chance to sort of, you know, maybe have the pressure taken off a little bit and sort of given time to think. So one of the other things that I've kind of discussed is, you know, like with everything that happened with COVID, you know, that was a big thing. That was a big kind of traumatic change. But then we just moved from like one crisis into the next crisis and it just comes so fast that it's like you don't have time to kind of adjust. Like having a mission, having something that you're working towards, that's got to be quite good to be like, well, and as you've already experienced with the sort of like everything, all our money's gone, our investors gone, you've just got to be like, well, I've got to keep going. Something will turn up. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I suppose really what you want to be doing, is, this is why some some people would almost say, well, it's a bit strange, you know, but you almost want to be looking for a bigger crisis. Like yeah. there's gonna, if you've got a crisis and you've got a challenge in your hands now, push yourself, work hard and, and get ready for the next challenge and make sure the next challenge is bigger for you, you know, because that's what you're there, you're building muscle. So use that muscle instead of bowing out and, and you know, doing doing less than you're capable of. Mm. Actually, as you're growing, as you're developing, do, do more, do mm. better, mm. you know. But there's a fine balance here. There's a fine balance here. So, you know, you could easily end up getting yourself into a place where you're overwhelmed mm. or, you know, I'm not, I'm, my approach is not everyone's approach. <laughs> I mean, what's the what's the actual work that you enjoy from it? Is it because is it the being on site? Is it the project management? Is it like do you enjoy making the phone calls? Do you enjoy the the whole drama of it? Of like you know, I like filling in the paperwork, and then I like being on site, and I like working with people. Like, what are the joys of it for you? I mean, obviously, the evangelizing of. Yeah, yeah. What you're selling, but like the day to day, what are the things that that what gets you up in the morning makes you do it other than the mission? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm? I'm going to say it's. I almost forget the sort of day to dayness of it. Mm. I focus on just the vision. Mm. You know, that's what gets me up. Yeah, you're uh, just like, this is what I need to do today to work towards this ultimate goal. Exactly. So yeah. if, if it's responding to emails, if it's, mm. if it's, you know, talking to people who maybe, maybe I'm finding it difficult to have a conversation with a certain person, mm. but I'm going to make it happen because mm. I have to make it happen. It's really mm. important, you know? So it's, it's all, it goes beyond, it goes beyond myself. You know, it's not really what I want to do. It's, mm -hmm. What it's what I need to do, mm. and or get it done. You know, if if I'm serious about what commitments I'm making, then I need to demonstrate that. But you know, on on that same token, I'm not being um, idealistic and 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 pretending that there aren't barriers. You know, mm. there will be barriers, and there will be things that that you know slow me down. But I can do I can do the best that I can with what I've got. Mm. I really like that line that you said of like what what I need to do for the day. I think that's a really good way of defining sort of work because 
part of the thing that I'm, I'm kind of circling around looking at is, you know, like how, what, what is work? What makes a thing work? You know, is it just getting paid for it? Like is volunteering work or is it, is it the fact that it's something that you have to do? Like, I quite like that, that definition of it. Yeah. I, I, I believe that we're, we're built to work and I, I think that we're happiest when we're working, mm. but this is my opinion. So I'm not saying everyone's the same, you know, that for me is I'm at my happiest when I'm making progress. Mm. I'm doing something that I want to do, mm. you know, and I can imagine that I'll, I'm not saying that I'll come out of this industry, but if I were to come out of this industry, I can imagine that I'd still be the same. I just funnel that energy into something that I'm passionate about because so I, I've heard, I've heard people say things like, Oh, I, I can't find my passion. or mm. you know, I, look, passion is not something that you find. Mm. Passion is something that you create mm. by the energy that you put into it. That's 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 the way that I I see it. Um, so it's a conscious decision because every single day you get up out of bed, your stomach might not be feeling right, or you might have a headache, or mm. you know your, your kids are crying in the background or whatever. You mm. know, there's always going to be something that stops you or wants to slow you down. And that's that's that that's reality, isn't it? Mm. You know. Mm. But then you have to stop yourself as well. Like you do have to take breaks and you do have to walk away from things. And there are benefits from, you know, like if you've been working on something, especially if it's in your head a lot and you, you kind of all of this kind of stress and then you step away from it, you know, you have a proper break and then it's like all, everything slots into place. And then you come back and you're like, right, I've cracked it now. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I do agree with that, yeah. and, and and so that goes back to what I was saying before about it. it there is still a strategy to it. Yeah. Just because I'm like I'm committed to what I'm doing, don't mean that I'm stupid. Because I do realise if I'm not being productive, then the, something has to happen. Yeah, and if you're not healthy, then nothing can happen either. So you know much. you have to keep yourself sort of. That's your yeah, that's your foundation. Isn't it? Yeah. It's your foundation. So if you, if, cause people who know me best will, will know how committed I am to my health, uh, you know, getting to bed, sleeping right, you know, the, they come first. Mm. They come first for me. They, that's, that's not even negotiable. Mm. If, if someone wanted me to uh, meet them and do like some, some people will do, you know, going out and having beers and build a business networking like that. Mm. That's, for me, you know, I'm I'm in bed at a good time. Mm. I'm up early, mm. I'm looking after my body and looking after my health, making sure I get my eight hours sleep. Mm. All, all all the boring, mundane stuff, and it comes back to what we were saying earlier. Mm. Well, I go to bed. Do I go to bed and make sure I get my, my sleep because I like it, or is it because it's a requirement? Mm. It's a requirement, you know. Mm. Like you know, kids. Kids, you know, they get excited, don't they? Mm. They'd happily not go to bed <laughs> until they fall asleep on the yeah, couch. yeah, and they wouldn't realise over time either. That's that's why you come in as a and it's an instructor of like, I know you think you think this is a good idea, but it's not a good idea. You'll feel really bad. You'll be really grumpy, and I know you don't believe me when I say that to you. And even when you experience it, you still won't believe me because you won't remember because you just want to stay up. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, you have to be the uh, a boring parent who says, come on, bedtime, get yourself to sleep. You've got a big day tomorrow. You know, It's your job. You're domesticating humans, you know, like you're housebreaking them. Excellent, I say, yeah. yeah I, can only, I can only imagine, so I haven't thought in 
I've still fought all on. In fact, I thought I won this this month. So you know, you, you in your wisdom, yeah, you, you start to value certain. Mm. I value very basic things. You know, going to bed healthy. You know, have a good eight hours sleep, being able to look after your body, do you know, spend time, spend time with your family, just basic stuff. I don't need a lot. Mm. This isn't, this isn't a, I want to take over the world so I can fill my pockets with loads of money. Mm. Like that's that's not that's not what I'm about. You know, I don't need an awful lot. Mm. You know, that, that kind of ties in a little bit with what you're saying. I think people. And I totally am. I'm on the same page as you, 100. Mm. percent People are massively consumer driven, and mm. I, I I really don't like that. Mm. Well, so I, I drive a little Polo, and you know, I probably would have thought about investing in an electric car. Mm. Um, but the reality is, if I sell that car, someone else is going to use it anyway. Mm. So I may as well make the most of that car. Yeah, like end of life. Yeah. End of life, it yeah. Mm. Then buy one uh, and look after it. So yeah, I don't, I don't need an awful lot. I, I'm not, I'm not into fast cars, fancy holidays, and you know, fancy clothes or anything like that. You know, mm. just basic stuff for me. Really, it's just I just want to replace all the world's housing with good carbon neutral buildings. <laughs> massively, massively. And I, I do believe, I do believe that. You know, small. I want to say small people can make a big difference. Mm. Uh, you know, in in the community. So I don't know whether you've seen the uh, what is it called the innovation curve by Simon Sinek. So basically, you have your early adopters, mm. sorry, your innovators, your early adopters. Then you have a gap, mm. and then you have your first mass market, and then your late mass market, and then you have your laggards. Mm. So. I believe we're, we're kind of getting to that point now where we've got a gap mm. and we're, we're going to get the, you know, early adopt, not early adopters, the mass market early adopters. Mm -hmm. We're not that far away. Yeah. You know? And a part of my confidence and, and drive comes from the fact that I've listened to the people in my team mm. uh, and about how much work they've put in in the past. Mm. And then, like I say, it, I almost feel a little bit guilty because we've talked about how long I've been in this business, but I've seen the amount of effort that people were putting in mm. 10 years ago, five years ago. Mm. And now I know that people are listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's, that fills me with confidence yeah. uh, and, and sort of fuels me. Yeah. I mean, even though there's a lot of pushback, I think like now is the time, like green green industries and we can you know whatever greenwash arguments and whatever about that but like a lot of this investment like now is the time for it more more than any other time like there's so much sort of like even with i, I mean for for all that we can criticize various sorts of bits of legislation i mean you know the us has done something that's yeah. actually quite effective you know, they they are investing. So even even there, it's kind of just, just talk to that because I've seen something on that briefly that a bill's been passed in US. Yeah, so it's a, it's a big investment bill, but you know, as the other commentators have said, if if the fossil fuel industry are celebrating it, it's not obviously the best kind of legislation that we want. But there is a large amount of money that's going into renewable investment and so on. I think this stuff. 
with infrastructure building as well. I haven't followed it too much because okay. I, try yeah. and, I try not to use news too much these days. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't watch news. I don't watch news. This is why I'm asking you the question. Yeah. I do, obviously, I'll see bullet points occasionally because you can't get away from it all the time. Yeah. But one of the things that I've found in practice, speaking with people like within sort of regional government um, mm. is I see that they don't actually understand Mm. difference between renewable and mm. uh, I'm going to say passive house fabric first they're uh, completely ecologically illiterate <laughs> that's right yeah and so and then you hear because I've I seen this uh, you hear Boris Johnson talking about buying the kettle for 20 pounds you know it, it it's a very very low level of knowledge for the guys at the top you know I, I, I'm a, I, I'm going to say I, I'm learning every day I'm on a steep learning curve I do not know everything, mm. but what I do know is that they are very limited in their knowledge. So yeah, we need we need to get we need to get you know key influence key influencers people mm. like Boris Johnson to really understand what we're talking about. So I don't think Boris Johnson's a a, a, a good talking point, is it? <laughs> I mean, you know, he's finally gone now, so it's Liz Truss that we need to worry about now. So. So you do that, but but that's recent. So Liz Truss. Uh, yes, uh, the announcement was today. I think. Yeah. Ah, right. Okay. So that, that's that's who um, that's who's that, that's our new prime oh. minister now. Yes, Liz Truss. Okay. Yeah. What was I going to say there? Oh yeah. So um, I would normally go into the Brexit question after the COVID question, but I'm going to go straight into the social media question here because I think, given what we've just been talking about, and and the whole sort of education side, now obviously you will need to have a good social media game for what you're doing. You have a good thing to sort of create content around. But for yourself, how much time do you have to spend on social media? And is the time that you spend on social media, does, do you really see the value from that? Like, does it, is it, it, like, I definitely have to do social media because it's so valuable and I can see the results of that. Or do you kind of like, create some content it goes out into the ether and you've no idea if that time was well spent yeah it's difficult to always monitor how effective things are Mm. however i think i think our landing page for the the land acquisition that was instagram so we do use social media with success Mm. Uh, at the moment we're not investing that much money and time into it Mm. but i definitely do think that there's a lot of benefit that can be had there. So as a small business owner, I'm, I'm, I'm doing as much as I can in lots of different areas. Mm-hmm. However, if I had a perfect setup, uh, yeah, I would have someone dedicated to social media mm-hmm. because I, I, I believe we are now in the attention economy. So, you know, if you can get people's attention and you can, you know, get their interest for a period of time, you're doing something good there. So provide engaging content and provide education. Mm. I mean, it's, it helped you making connections and so on. I mean, obviously in your, in your field, your industry, I mean, you're not, if I would imagine you're still going to need to use a lot of subcontractors, you're still going to need to find a lot of suppliers. You need to make those connections and know who the people are, and then you're going to need specialist equipment as well. So definitely. Yeah, definitely. We, we wouldn't be having this conversation now if it weren't for Dunstan's PCV. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, there are conversations that I have 
And I want to say daily, like mm. like productive conversations mm. that I have with people that, that you can meet through um, through social media. So, yeah, I definitely see a place in it. And yeah, I think I think if anything, I'd like to I'd like to spend more time doing it. Yeah, I was going to say, do you enjoy the kind of media side of it? Like, is there? I mean, have you are you happy sort of being on camera and doing recordings yeah. like this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm comfortable talking. I'm comfortable talking about what what I do, and, and I think I think we need we need to get talking, don't we? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we need to get talking. So yeah, it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good mm-hmm. thing, and I think these days, and it's the shift that we're, we're going to a conversation, but it's the shift that we're going into mm-hmm. uh, the technology shift. You know, the, the talk about meta where where. People are going to be putting a headset on and mm. talking through headsets, and mm. you know. So the, the the good thing about zooms and, and things like that, you know, I, I can have a conversation with someone who, who's, who's down in London, mm. or the other side of the world. Yeah, or the other side of the world. And it's just a heartbeat, so it's not even a big problem. So it it, it means that you've got access to more people and that's in my opinion always going to be a good thing mm. if you you know if you, if you want me to you know champion something mm. okay so let's talk brexit then let's talk suppliers so my question around brexit is since we have brexited have you noticed any change in your work either for the better for the worse or has there been no change i won't say it's been a really substantial effect but i suppose the benefit is you've you've had com- like I've had conversations with people in China, for example, mm. about supplying us windows. You know, we we never progressed. It, did, it didn't make sense for us to work with them, but mm. that was a conversation that we had, mm. and it might not have been a conversation that we had before. Yeah, and it uh, might have put you passive house on their radar potentially. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, he's, he's on their radar. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's part of the reason we have the conversation. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see it as a bad thing. But I think that's partly, partly me being the type of person that I am. So if we'd have stayed in, I'd have probably said that it didn't have really affected me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a noticed. Price, price has not gone up for anything or like has oh, been yeah. any difficulties getting hold of stuff. And now that's kind of like that's more worldwide as well now. I think I think that was just as much to do with COVID though as well. Mm. You know, mm. yeah, we we had a bit of a, a, a mad a mad rush to get some stuff, mm. but we did manage to get it. Some some, some timber I beams we, we we were looking to get, and some LDL we managed to get that. Mm. Um, so yeah, that it, it, it hasn't affected us too much. That could be the famous last words. I might be phoning you next week, Sam, and say, "Do you know what? I wish I'd never said that to you." Let's <laughs> hope not. Too short. So, right. So uh, yeah, that that'll do us on Brexit. So I've done that. Let's do the change question. So my question on change is phrased this way. So if you could change anything about your work, so you've got like total carte blanche here. It can be really wild and fantastical. It can be very pragmatic. If you change any three things about your work, what would they be? Well, I suppose, I suppose I, I'm going to say what most uh, small businesses would say, and I'd be, I'd, I'd change my rock balance so that would be, <laughs> so that I can have more impact. Yeah. So yeah, I suppose, I suppose the next one would be, I'd, I'd change our ability to align with 
with strategic partners, mm-hmm. you know, and I do think we're already moving towards that and doing quite well with it. Mm-hmm. However, that would be a massive uh, tick box for me, strategic, strategic partners, getting, getting with good people. So I think that that's one of the key, key things. They use the term human capital mm-hmm. or getting the right people on mm-hmm. the bus. So, so important. So, so I, I, I read a book by a guy called Jim Collins called Good to Great. And, and he talks about getting the right people on the bus. Mm. First of all, you get the right people on the bus. Yeah. So if you get the wrong people on the bus, that's a problem. Mm. Then you put them in the right places. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and then obviously you have the same mission and, you know, you want to drive towards the same goals. So I think, I think we're, we're doing that. We've got the right people on the bus. We've got a good mission. We've got, you know, we're, we're all sat in the right place. And I think now it's about getting more people on the bus. So, yeah, that that, that would be what I'd say is get more people on the bus and mm-hmm. get more money in the bank account. And, uh, yeah, that'd, that'd do it for us. I'll add a third one for you then. Passive house becoming a legal requirement. Yeah. Oh, yeah, massively. And I think all that would happen. But but that's just me being quite idealistic and super mm. positive. Mm. Yeah, I think if we had the right people on the bus, mm. we had the right you know bank balance so that we could affect it all. Mm. And again, you know, got the got got strategic partners. You know, I, I think that would happen. I think we're not far off that tipping point. Mm. I really do. Mm. So just sort of going back to social media. I mean, like, where would you want to be? Kind of pitching yourself. Where would you be your main? Would it be LinkedIn or would it be Facebook or would it be different things for different uses? Right. But this is this is probably going to be my lack of knowledge, really. So we we, we were successful with our campaign on uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. We had some successful games on campaigns on Facebook as well. Mm. At the moment, I'm putting a bit of time in on LinkedIn, but I think I would probably want a professional to guide me and navigate me even better. Are you sort of in like industry trade? magazines then like where do you where does your marketing go is it more sort of traditional print uh, at, at the moment we're not doing an awful lot of it you know right. we've had we've had we've had articles done with the passive house plus magazine mm-hmm. articles done with the Yorkshire post telegraph and Aga, and then obviously we've done our youtube and we've had our facebook campaigns and linkedin and and then for example i'm doing it's the york business festival and the green skills supply event it's a, it's a two-hour event mm-hmm. that i'm gonna open on passive house and that'll be like a i think it's a 20-minute talk mm-hmm. so that'll be construction professionals uh maybe maybe who are already in passive house but just mm-hmm. they're in they're in the construction game and they want to they want to explore and they probably would know a little bit about it. Mm. Uh, they just want to understand a bit more. So I'm going to say feet on the ground events as well. I think, yeah, mm. do more of them feet on mm. the ground events. And the, uh, and the whole course uh, that we're doing, you know, mm. the, the, this will, I believe, get, get, get talking to the right sorts of people mm. in the world. Mm. So we, we need to affect key influencers and do that in whichever way we can. We do need to be talking to people as well as doing our social media stuff. As you know, I do, I, you can't you can't be actually talking to people, can you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do tell us a little bit more about the course. I mean, like, how far along are you with that? What's the sort of time frame for for the course? Like, what what sort of budget? Like, how is it? Is it all going to be remote? Is it hands on? Like. Yeah, tell us a bit more about it. 
Yeah, we, we, we've got a 10-week program. So you do one day a week for 10 weeks. So it's 10 days the course. So we do six days in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And do four days in, in in the workshop, and what 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 we're doing is we're we're looking to train the trainer. So we're going to go in and we're going to teach first of all. Mm. But while we while we're preparing for for the the course, we're recording everything. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that we almost go in and just play our recordings. Mm-hmm. We're there just to stimulate conversation. And the idea is that we train the trainers. So yeah. that we train people, take the material that we've produced for them to facilitate mm. you know, and get people to break out. So the saying is no involvement, no commitment. So when you've got people there, you give them some education, mm. then you get them to go research things mm. in groups. Mm. Now, all right, I want you to go on. Your homework today is... Go home and look at penetrations in your house and how you might overcome those if you were going to do a retrofit. Mm. So now they're going back at the house and thinking, oh, where's all the airflow going to come in? And we've given them examples so they're already knowing where they need to look. So, yeah, it's um, it's going to be a bit of educate and now go and do some group activity, do a bit of research. Mm. Then the idea is when we go to our zero carbon workshop, they actually build a small, a small unit. So I'm not going to say a house, mm. but you know, some wall panels mm. and put it up in a, a control setting just so they get the concept. Mm. So they can apply some liquid membrane. They can apply some, you know, some insulation. They can look at the seals on a window and, and they can basically walk away from the course actually knowing how to to do some stuff yeah uh, like so. it's a kind of it, it's like a train of thought like a way of thinking it's, it's training the mind as well to sort of you know this is the way you have been trained but now we're going to retrain you a little bit and think about these things as well that's it and, and just letting them know as well that all the skills that they've got will come into play still. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like you have to throw everything out the window. No, exactly. You've got, you, they're all transferable skills, you know, whether you're a, a joiner, whether mm. you're a, a bricklayer, you know, whether you're an electrician or a plumber, you, all, all of the trades need to understand. Yeah, you're upgrading your skill set. That's it. Yeah. Just a compliment. That's all it is. Mm. It's just a compliment to the skills that you've already got. You know, so if you're a roofer, you know, we, we need roofers on board. We need electricians on board. We need mm. plumbers on board. Uh, the, the the more the better. Cool. I want to ask a little bit about with regs and so on and with Passive House. I mean, obviously, there are considerations of, you, you know, like your cradle to grave kind of consideration, which potentially affects your material choices. but I want you to kind of, if someone's imagining that these have to be pokey, sort of miserable, like hair shirt establishments because they're having to be eco, like they're really kind of, you know, like tiny houses and they're all a bit naff. Like, is that the reality? I I mean, obviously you're going to say no straight away, but sort of like (laughs) if someone's thinking anything along those lines, I mean, what, what's the reality of a passive house? Is there... Like the room sizes vary. Is there a minimum size that it has to be? So it's kind of like, you know, again, a high standard. Yeah. Yeah. No, you could just imagine, barring the fact that the shape of the building, if it was an 
new build will mm-hmm. be slightly different. Mm-hmm. So a simple way of looking at it, you know, for example, the little porches that jut out from the building mm-hmm. uh, with a, I'm going to call it a traditional, mm-hmm. that, what that does it, is it creates more opportunities to lose air. Mm-hmm. So we simplified the form with a passive house. So, but in fact, it, it, you know, as to your question, room size and such like, no, you, you can have good, nice, spacious rooms. And in fact, what, 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 what I would argue is that you're actually improving the living standards because the light, you're maximizing the light. So, you're making it so that your spaces are more vibrant mm. and more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, definitely not, definitely not. And the retrofit as well. I can speak from some experience in the sense that, for example, my wife, you know, retrofit our house. Mm-hmm. And once she actually realised that she was going to get new windows mm. looked nice mm. and that all the external, you know, building would look she would say nicer, mm. you know, and you're going to be able to remodel it a little bit. Mm. That that was quite important to her, you know. Mm. Nice new looking doors, nice new looking windows, mm. nice and fresh on the outside. It's so, no good if it saves you money and it just it looks awful. <laughs> you make it look really nice. Yeah. You make it look really nice. So you know, some uh, some of the planners, uh, I say some of the planners. Up and down the country, I think people are becoming more aware now of sustainability. Mm-hmm. So they probably be a bit more flexible with you. So what I did on my house was I was basically saying it's going to be the same, mm-hmm. but the insulation will go a bit lower. Mm-hmm. So I've got a rendered house. So instead of having a, a splashback that's say that big, at the front it'll go into the floor, and and then I'll have to create a splashback a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. uh, and then. At the back, I've got drops down. So basically, my insulation will drop down a bit lower, mm-hmm. and you'll still see the splashback at the back because it slopes down. Mm. So, but generally, it, it looks pretty much the same. Mm. Just the levels, that's it, and and then the windows. With a, with a, the window, if you have what they call transiums and mullions, which is a technical term, so. The the joins of the window, mm. whether it's if you've got a small window or you've got a big window that's separated, mm-hmm. but they're like the joins. They're called transiums and mullions. Mm-hmm. So, with 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 the design of my retrofit, there'll be a lot less transiums and mullions. So, mm. big open windows. So, I do, I personally I don't think that's offensive. I think it looks nice. Mm. Uh, you know, so and I think once again, I think my wife, once she realised that, mm. she was like, "Oh, they look quite stylish." <laughs> I like those. I like those wins. So, so that was, um, yeah, a good yeah. thing. A good thing for us. Yeah, because there's a lot of like with sort of making making better choices, shall we say? There's a lot of kind of like, oh, well, it has to be miserable, but it, you know, it doesn't always have to be miserable. <laughs> like a lot of the time, it's just it is stuff like doing. You know, sitting and reading a book in daylight rather than you know running the TV or something. D- simple things. It doesn't all have to be bad. Is is my point? I'm going to do my UBI question. I think this is going to be quite short with you. So, if there was a UBI, if there was a universal basic income, how would that affect your work? Would you still be doing what you're doing 
if you would still be doing what you're doing, would you be doing it as much or doing it in a different way? How would a UBI change things for you? Yeah, yeah. I know you touched on that. So universal basic income. For me, I I, I can't understand a universal basic income income. What what I what I don't want to see is people in poverty, you know. So I'm all I'm all for helping people to come out of poverty mm. and making sure that people can afford to, you know, live comfortably, you know. buy houses. <laughs> yeah, I I can't I can't understand the idea. To be honest, I, I think I think um, I think it's a flawed. It's like it's almost closer to socialism, isn't it? I, I think I think I think capitalism works. Meaning. You know, you can come from, like myself, you know, you can come from Thorpe Edge, council estate, you know. I'm, I'm going to say single parent, kind of, because, mm. yeah, I did have two people in the house, but I'm going to call it a single parent household. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you, you can come from, you know, council estate and you, you can work hard and you could climb the ladder. You know, you can do that. So I think that's a privilege that you've got mm. in a capitalist society. And so you get rewarded if 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 you work hard and you add value, you know. So I think and that's a good thing. Mm. I think it motivates people to create, you know, a, a good example of, like, I would never want to trust the government with a full campaign of, of, of doing, you know, innovating and such like that. Innovation always comes from small companies because... They're really digging deep. When you when you go to like government level and bureaucracy and such like, it just slows innovation down. So I'm a big, I am a, I am a big believer in capitalism and a big believer in working, working, working to want to be able to achieve something for yourself. You know. So yeah, I'm a, yeah, that that might be quite short for you, but I, I, no, no, I mean like so. Sorry, sorry, I missed the last I, bit there. I think you were expecting maybe my answer to be somewhere like that. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, like, it's an interesting one, the UBI, because some people are kind of like, I've never heard of it. Some people are like, yeah, I've heard of it and I'm totally into it. I mean, it, it's another way of asking as well, like, if money was no object, would you still be doing the same thing? But as well with it, like, it's nice to get different answers. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I mean, so I'll put it to you that way. Like, if money was no object, I mean, would you have ended up doing this, is, or would you have just gone like, "I'm going to just do football. I don't need to care about money." Like, how, how do you think that would have changed things if you didn't have to consider the? the... That, that is a good question. Mm. That is a good question because it really brings it to life for me. It's possible I would be doing this, mm. you know. So, and I, I believe what I'm doing is a good thing, mm. you know. Mm. Like, adding value to people so that would have been in fact that's a great example of what i'm saying mm. really yeah it's socialism and just having everything provided for you is not i don't think we're born like that i don't think that's how i don't think for someone to thrive i don't think that that's the best circumstance for them. now that's if someone needs a support and they haven't got the ability to do what I'm what I'm talking about, then yeah, fine. You know, I'm I'm all for supporting people. I don't want to see people in poverty. I don't want to see people, you know, struggling, struggling. If they've got bad health problems and they can't work, mm. you know, then then that's fine. But yeah, it's, it's not a nice place for them to be. The way I see it, mm. not everyone thinks like me. So you know, I'm sure there'll be some people who would 
and this is the the beauty of you know the the, the constructive conflict. You know, mm. that's the beauty of having conversations. And so I think with German society, I think some people are quite scared, and myself because I I don't I, I aim to be PC, might not always be, but people are always concerned about saying things that offend people. Mm. Um, but is that is that is that right? Should 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 we be able to have a bit of conflict mm. and not? Not just throw all our toys out of the pants and just, you know, start being the volatile with each other. You know, <laughs> if you see things different, that's good. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, well, I mean, and you need a difference of opinion anyway, because, you know, it's good to see all the eventualities because, you know, just someone who's been negative about something is not someone that's necessarily been like, just cynical like there's bad faith actors and there's good faith actors but if you're acting in good faith when you're sort of being critical of something then you're strengthening that particular issue because it's like you know if there's a weakness and it's a valid weakness then that can be resolved that can be fixed so you know it's like you need that variety of opinions you need to sort of think things it's like the edward have you ever seen the edward de bono sort of six hats no, I've not seen that. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of these old kind of like management kind of things. If I, you know, so one particular hat is like you, like the, the blue sky sinking sort of hat. And then oh, one's the right. like more critical hat and one's the pragmatic hat that's sort of like, well, here are the details and the nitty gritty of this and how we need to do it. And you need the, you know, you need the full gamut of everyone and every way of thinking. I mean, you know, this for being self employed of like, you have to do every role until you can get someone else to do it. And so you have to put a different hat on, like your marketing hat is different to your, you know, like your production hat. So you have to think about these things in different ways. Yeah. I, I think this is where like the term constructive conflict and, you know, I follow Ray Dalio. So he talks about, he calls it the principles. So how each independent person, so you have all these different personality types, but you have different positions and different sort of tendencies mm. within communities, you know, like you said, with the hats, you know, I, I'm, I'm classed as a commander. I'm the one who kind of charges things up. I'm going to hold people accountable, you know, whereas you're going to have different people who are more, for example, a coach, the one who kind of holds your hand a little bit and mm. make you laugh and that sort of thing. But it's important to have all those different people, you mm. know, like my wife, mm. you know, she will slow me down and she mm. will ask me some questions. And, and it's, it, I recognise now, I'm, I'm going to say with maturity, but also studying, I recognise, I'm like, Right, Claire's doing what Claire does. Mm. Uh, she's that personality type. And I know that it's quite painful for me to answer and give her the sort of details she wants. Mm. But I recognise the value in it. So I'm mm. like, right, that, now this is a good opportunity for me because I can do what's not natural to me. Mm. But by doing that, I'm collaborating that's, and I'm, I'm, I'm working better with people. Yeah, well, again, it's another skill set, isn't it? And it's like, just because... You know, there's a lot of things that we don't want to know, and you know, that we're not bothered about learning in life of like, well, I don't care. I don't need to know how to do that. But it's like, well, actually you do because this will help. So learning those other skill sets, like it's, so I come from like, I, I did a lot of work and I'm going to come on to unions with you as well. So sort of, I was working in unions and working on like long-term education and got real bug for sort of lifelong learning and sort of continual study. 
And I think it's really valuable. And whether it's like organized study or not, like you said, you know, you're learning all the time, you learn every day, like, and that's, that should be something that we're not afraid of. And, and, you know, schools can be very detrimental in that sense of putting people off learning, but like, you're always learning, you're always picking up new skills. Like you, you have to, whether you want to or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's the, that, that for me is one of the benefits of, you know, life in general, having the richness of life because you're always learning that. You're all, and that I enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy. And that's why for me going to work and doing what I do, I know that I'm always going to be learning, whether it's articulating my point in the right way so mm. that I can explain it properly to you, whether it's making sure that I get my numbers right when I'm sharing with my accountant, you know, or getting some details right on uh, with the bill side of things and getting me ordering with project management. Mm. Uh, I'm constantly, constantly learning. And I like that. Yeah, that, keep, that keep, keeps me in my tools. Yeah. And you're learning, like, which suppliers are best to use, which you have the best relationship with, like, who are the best people, you know, and how to be in different ways with different people and so on. So it's like... There's constantly stuff going on. Like you're always micro changing things and altering yourself, aren't you? So, so I want to ask briefly about unions before I start to wrap it up. So traditionally it was kind of a, a strong area for the unions in the building trade. I don't know what it's like these days, but have you had much dealings with unions if you, as you've been doing this, have they been constructive or combative like what's your kind of relationship and experience with unions so i i think i've got limited experience so we start there but why don't you just explain to me a little bit you know what sort of trade unions might i for example come across because the way that i'm perceiving a trade union is it might be you had a, a dispute with work in the un trade union to get or is that is that right yeah sometimes i mean like uh, I suppose with, I guess, because you're not, you know, like if you were a massive, massive developer with like loads and loads of contracts, you're going to, I suppose, come across. And I know that, so a few years ago, there was an issue with, there was like a unofficial blacklist. I can't remember which sector it was. So there's sort of, like I say, I don't think the density is too massive now, but I mean, I suppose the main things are a kind of, it's about standards, I guess, is the question of like, so what are the kind of bread and butter issues, <laughs> like the paying conditions? I, does Passive House give people better paying conditions, you know, on, your, on, on the side of your employers and your suppliers? Like, would they expect sort of better margins or like, is there, yeah, is it, is it better or worse? Or like, do you have to cut more corners because your margins are lower because you've got to compete with this? So, I mean, just, yeah, just, your response in that kind of area, I suppose. Yeah. So the, the, the talk about the innovation curve. So when you first bring in innovative products to market, there's a cost, mm. the cost to it. Mm. Uh, and I can give you a live example. So when we, when we built our houses, we straight, we got to buy a straight away, like mm. one of the first viewers. And, and this is what she said, you know, I've been wanting a house like this for 15 years. Mm. She basically was prepared to move, it, not miles, miles away, but she she basically Wakefield, mm -hmm. uh, she was going to move to Bradford. 
Mm. Okay. Uh, but the valuer came, downvalued the property mm. by £75,000. And that basically um, was one of the costs that we had to pick up because yeah. they didn't understand our product. Mm. So he valued it based on traditional. Mm -hmm. he, he didn't take into account the fact that the house, I mean, I could go back to him now and I could say, would you maybe increase the value on it now, given mm -hmm. the we've got a fuel shortage, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've got rising energy costs. Do you mm -hmm. think we we'll factor that in now? Mm -hmm. But, you know, part of that was lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'll, I'll give you another example. So the passive, uh, sorry, the, the planners, when we first of all put our scheme together for the development that we're going to do, in, uh, te it's technically it's Leeds City Council, but it's Bradford Postcode, just on the border near, near uh, IKEA. So they basically didn't understand what we were doing. So we had to take time educating them. Mm -hmm. And then they still, that information didn't get passed down to the people properly and they didn't. Mm -hmm. Still, still didn't understand, so we had to go back to them again. Mm -hmm. So we had to spend a lot, of, but they did work with us. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is an example of it becoming a bit more top down. Mm -hmm. So the government are making the right noises, and, mm -hmm. you know. So the, there was a bit of support there that did work with us, but we did have to, we did have to really put quite a lot of time in getting old as the right person. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had to do that, but yeah, it, it, some of these people can be quite hard to get hold of. Mm, yeah, uh, once you, even once you've got the name, it's like I've been chasing this person for about however many weeks. Yeah, but, yeah literally uh, at least a month. Yeah. And then the, the one time they do ring you, it's like the time that you're unavailable. And you're like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, uh, I'm not. I, I'm not talking badly of of, of people because no, it's just the way it goes, isn't it? What they say. Yeah. But so th there was a cost to it. Now coming back to your question about can can people once they upskill expect a, a better pay? Mm. In an ideal world, I would say yes. But actually making that happen and having the ability to do that, it, yeah, it, I could just say yes. But yeah, let's see how things develop, you know. So we've, we, we've been able to affect, basically we, we sold the, oh, just in the process of selling the final one, but we sold the houses in line with the premium that we expected to get. Right. Good. That, so that, 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 that's, that was the result. And on the houses that we're building now, I, I believe that we will likewise we'll get a premium on the local area so that can filter on to people so yeah it's area i think people will be able to get better paid jobs and it will improve and enhance their professionalism hmm. uh, the loyalty both sides because i think they get engaged in, in in doing it to a new standard uh, and they start delivering on that standard, then they become more valuable. So yeah, they definitely become more valuable, uh, and I'm sure that I'm sure the market will reward that mm. time. But I did, yeah, it's it, it's not being. I mean, I've said to you uh, in this podcast that we have had support, and we have, but we haven't had a leg up off anybody financially. But it's early days as well, still. So it's not like there's loads of investor money just being thrown at you. 
That's right, that's right. So everybody, when we speak to them, oh, you must have found it really easy to get financing. No, no, mm-hmm. often, no, this is all really from our own sort of hard work and effort. But you're like, you have to educate the entire market and as much as that includes like planners and so on, it includes investors as well and, you know, even consumers and like your, your buyers. Go on, sorry. No, de- definitely, hundred percent. But I think I think the rise in energy prices will will drive people as well. Yeah. I think that'll be. I'm going to say a carrot and stick. You know, so the carrot is we'll say, look, this is the right way to do it, and the stick is they don't want to pay energy prices. Yeah. So, so that about probably shift things a little bit. Probably it'll probably people are motivated by pain and pleasure. Yeah, I think I think I think the pain for some people will be a stronger driver. I'm going to throw it over to you. So is there anything that we've not talked about that you want to sort of touch upon or anything that you want to kind of go back to or anything that you want to sort of notify people about? Now's your chance. So I'll pass it over to you. Uh, yeah, I, I would just I would just say, look, you know, if, if you're interested in what it is that we've been talking about, uh, you know, bu- building building to a higher quality standard, building to a passive house standard, retrofit to a passive house standard, you know, get in touch. Maybe we can we, we can help you. So it's my my personal email is kevin at purehouse.co.uk. So that's P-U-R-E-H-A-U-S.co.uk. Um and I'll get back to you. And uh, yeah, let, let let's all let's all see if we can do our part mm. to uh, changing the way homes are built in this country. Mm. Okay. And I want to sort of we'll we'll touch upon how your retrofit's going because we we've mentioned it a couple of times. So is this your first retrofit or is it the first time, you, you know, you've already done them and you're just doing it for yourself now? So as a team, we, we've we've done about 20 retrofits. Okay. Um, so so me, myself, project managing my own retrofit, this yeah. is the first one. Yeah. yeah. Are you doing this one on your own or have you brought a team in with you for it? No, I will definitely have people to help me and assist yeah. me. With the labor labor side of it, but I will be overseeing details and I will be making sure the quality is there. And yeah, do, do, I'm going to say doing the stuff that is quite painstakingly difficult, but has to be done. You know, mm. so uh, yeah, it'll be air tightening and you know make, making sure making sure that all the holes are blocked up and making sure that the MVHR team is all laid out properly and all look connections and the joints are solid and working with your suppliers and get sort of logistics managing it all so it's, it's going to be yeah it's going to be quite an interesting challenge for me to to retrofit my house when i've got two kids and you know an active, active lifestyle to both both me and my wife working from home you know so not all the time working from home but you know for, for the large part of it certainly at the moment so yeah are you working from home and on your home that's right. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be all encompassing. So when I want to take a step back, Simon, I might I might not be able to, you know. So <laughs> we'll have to find a different way of you know bouncing back. <laughs> okay, I know there's a question that we haven't covered, which listeners will be um, shouting out, but it's the most obvious one, and I think we kind of covered it anyway because it's a question about climate change. So the question is largely what what are you doing in your work to kind of anything for adaptation or awareness raising or, you know, sort of impact reduction? 
I think you've just spent two hours talking about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I suppose, I, suppose, I think the key things that we can do, I'm going to say leading by examples. Leading by example, uh, and that'll be through innovating, changing our products, developing our products, not getting comfortable, not getting comfortable with what we're doing, refining, getting better mm. in, in all departments, whether that's getting better at communicating the message, whether it's getting better at delivering the product, whether it's getting better, having a better system to be able to meet the needs that we need to need to meet in terms of the built environment. Because that, that's, that's where I want to spend my time and become even more knowledgeable in. So yeah, that's that, that's that's going to be my focus. Well, one final question before I wrap it up. I'm just curious to know, in terms of like for the organisation for the business, are you just want to look at sort of like how much you're in housing, how much you're out housing? Like, what are the sort of priorities for you? And in terms of, I suppose your suppliers, and I suppose in terms of you, you know. To some degree, your carbon footprint, to some degree, your expenses, but also the kind of condition of the people that you can employ and the kind of jobs that you can kind of create for people. What What's your kind of balance? What's your agenda around that? Like, are you looking to sort of have as many people and be a tight-knit group of people or are you focusing on just getting the work done however is the most efficient way of doing it. I've not really got a question there, but do you kind of get what I'm trying to get at? I think I think I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna measure twice, cut once and mean that mean that we'll bring the right people in mm. uh, and we won't rush. You know, we won't just bring people in for the sake of it. We'll we'll make sure that we're getting good quality staff and that, that's gonna be quite important. And mm. um, but I I haven't, I haven't discussed another really important person that's coming into the team, but he, he basically is a commercial contractor, or he he brings with himself a team and he brings with himself the experience of managing teams so that we can all focus on what we're really good at within our team. So it's once again, it's about getting the right people and then getting them set in the right seats on the bus. Mm. And so he, he's, he's very good at that. That's what his expertise is, the, the commercial side of it. Mm. And what we're bringing to him is the experience of doing something that's a bit more exciting. Instead of doing the bread and butter traditional build side of things, he's actually getting involved in a company that's doing something that he he is interested in. Mm. Well, this is, this is important, you know, for us. What we don't want to do is just start bringing people in for the sake of bringing them in. Yeah, yeah. People in who really are interested in what we're doing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think that's, uh, that's going to be really important for us moving forward, get the right people on the bus and get them, in, get them sat in the right place. Thank you again to Kevin for being my guest. Thanks again to all my guests and thank you to you, Leeds, for being my subject. And, of course, most of all, thank you to you, my dear listener. Come back on Friday to hear me talk to Sophie Greenwood from Ink and Bear. You can follow this show on Twitter at Working Hours 3 and on Instagram at Working Hours Pod Leads. Use the hashtag Working Hours Pod Leads to stay up to date on when new episodes are being released. DM me with your questions or, most importantly, get in touch if you'd like to be the guest on this show. It's not hard, it's not scary, and you know all the answers and... Mm, the whole internet's not going to attack you. Like, nobody's sharing this. Nobody's like, people are listening to it. But it's like, 
you're not going to be you're not going to be cancelled if you come on this show. Not yet, anyway. Please chuck in anything you can to help the show grow. Go to ko-fi.com forward slash working hours and join me there for a pound a month and or you can make a one-off donation of whatever amount. You can also go to patreon.com forward slash working hours pod to support working hours again from as little as a pound a month. So there, you can pay more if you want. Why not be super awesome and join both? There are live streams with me on the Patreon and you can get access to the Working Hours Discord with a Kofi membership. There's not much happening on either of those fronts at the moment, but there's no reason to, so give me one. Go crazy. Spend on this show like there's no tomorrow. Why not? Your planet is burning. Your house is on fire. Your government are criminals. The oil industry are maniacs. And bankers are completely insane. We are losing everything. We are not acting like that. Do something new and something different. Remember to like, share, follow and subscribe to Working Hours. Work for peace and plan with kindness. Okay, that's me. Cheers ears. Take care out there and be kind to each other leads. Working Hours is produced, recorded, edited and published by Simon Treen for Western Studios Leeds Limited. The music was The Bees from Chopin's Etudes, which is in the public domain and was taken from museopen.org. Please like Western Studios Leeds on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash western underscore studios underscore Leeds and on LinkedIn linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash western hyphen studios. Leads, are you considering taking the plunge into podcasts or audio content? Then think Western Studios for support, advice and guidance on getting it made. At Western Studios, you work with a real life lawyer who is actually in Leeds. Not a piece of software, not a course of articles or a series of live chats and video courses, but me, a person in physical place-based reality. If you want to work with me to make your podcast or any digital audio content in Leeds, whether it's for your own cause, your publicity campaigns, to promote your products, increase your sales, or just to create your own passion projects, then get in touch with me, Western Studios, now. Don't wade through vapid articles and videos and podcasts about how to make podcasts by disembodied virtual people on the web. Get on with making your podcast now, and then when it gets hard and expensive and it all goes wrong, which it will, then call Western Studios to make your podcast with you or even for you. Western Studios will take on your podcast boring, time-consuming and painful admin, recording, editing, transcription, whatever. Tell me about your podcasting pain points and I can make it all better for you. I feel your pain. For a charge, I will share it. Remember, podcast work is work. 